Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. It is 10 a.m. on a Monday morning, and it is not Tom Brenneman. It's Paul Fritschner. We are back with you for yet another day. Monday, Tuesday, then Tom is back. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he'll be out of town again next week. Not all week, not all week, but just a little bit next week. We do have a lot to talk about again today. It was a dark weekend in Cincinnati outside of Logan Wilson signing his extension. The Reds are on a six-game losing streak. FCC is out of the League's Cup for whatever that's worth. They get a couple of weeks off before they play again. Uh, it was not a good weekend here in the Queen City. That's all right. We're going we're gonna to have some fun here for the next couple of hours. We're going to try and walk you through it. We're going to try and shine some light on this Monday morning. If you're living in the Cincinnati area, listening to this right now, you're probably not getting a lot of that because it looks pretty cloudy and doomy outside too. Paul Fritschner with you. This show is off the bench and it's presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way every Monday through Friday, 10 A to 12 P. That's right, Casey. Casey, you and I are up here once again, one final time. Tomorrow we uh, tomorrow we will have Elliot back in the chair. So Elliot traversed back from Chicago last night. He is back here safe and sound. Last we know, safe and sound. Here in Cincinnati, he'll be back over there in that chair tomorrow. We have Justin Williams from The Athletic coming up at 10.15. He's going to talk about the start of UC's uh, football season, training camp, everything else. They're over at Camp Higher Ground right now, so we'll talk about that. Also going to talk about conference expansion with Justin. He wrote a really great article a couple of weeks ago about how Cincinnati tried to position themselves in this round of conference realignment as opposed to the last time when the old Big East disbanded. Talk about all that and more. Have him on. I sent Jacob a text. We'll see if he responds. I wouldn't put it past him to to still be – well, it, he's just scheming up that defense for our good friend Nick Saban. Of course. Uh, Casey, how are you today? Paul, um, I'm, I'm, um, I'm okay. I'm all right. I was really expecting more out of this weekend. Um, and to add like some salt to the wound, the women's team, they lose. Yeah, they <laughs> and, lost and, in just about the most heartbreaking fashion you could possibly lose in. I saw so I, I did not watch one second of it. I was asleep. I went back and watched the entire extended highlight right package, whatever that they put on YouTube. How did they not win? I, I mean, it was incredible. They had probably eight or ten shots. I don't know if they were officially shots on goal. But they had probably eight or ten shots that it was four of them could have easily been in the back of the net. Yeah, I think it was 11 shots on goal. Um, 11 shots on goal? And yeah. they lost? They lost. Yeah. Oh, yikes. If Tom was sitting up here, we'd know what he'd say. Not good. Not good. Not good at all, Paul. And I... 22 what? shots, 11 on goal. I did yeah. not have that stat in front of me, but thanks to Mr. Moe. That's horrific. It, and it then the bad. way that they lost and that we don't have the, the clip, but I'm sure everybody that's watching has seen it by now. That clip of the ball crossing the goal line by like what? A millimeter? What are we doing? Yeah, that was a tough one. It was a tough one yesterday for what? Or not yesterday, but you know what I'm getting. Yeah. Uh, Rapino retiring, I'm pretty sure. Ertz retiring. That team is going to look a lot different next year. They'll be younger four years from now. Four years from now. But they play every... Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the Reds before we get to Justin. 
Um, that was probably all we're going to talk about with the U.S. women's national team because that World Cup, I mean, zero juice. When you're playing this over in Australia and the games are at 3 a.m. and 5 a.m., it's tough. I mean, I try. I love watching. But 3 a.m. and 5 a.m., is it's, it's a tough sell. The Reds, also a tough sell right now. And the reason the Reds, to me, the reason it's so disheartening, and you know, Nick Kirby did the show the other day and, and called that loss, I think from Friday night, the Reds' worst loss of 2023, and then they rattle off two more losses over the weekend. It's disheartening because of the way that they are playing. It's disheartening because of the way they are losing these games. I mean, they are not... They're not just losing these games four to three or three to two, and it's competitive all the way to the end. I mean, they are digging themselves into holes immediately. Look at yesterday. Poor guy's first two pitches of his major league career. First time that has ever happened in the history of the sport. I chalked that up to just unlucky, in my opinion. I mean... Maybe that, that's naive of me, but that's really hard to do, right? I, mean, I would say it's pretty hard to do. To give up two home runs to your first two pitches. First two pitches? Like, I hadn't even turned the game on yet. I was, I was waiting for the little alert to say that the game had started and I was going to go downstairs and turn it on and settle in. And by the time I got it on, it was 2 nothing. I, I It was the top of the first inning. Two pitches, 2 nothing. Yeah, and... They just never recovered after that, right? I mean, if you look back from the start of the second half of this season, they've just been in a rut, man. It was ever since the Brewers. Something happened to where, and we'll get more into this later, because um, I don't want to use all of our, our uh, ammunition here on the Reds right off the get. But like I said on Friday, if anyone was listening on Friday, they're just in a rut right now. They have the talent, but it's like everybody has been not good. Like, just playing really bad. Um, and, you know, what's really sad, and I hate doing this. I hate bringing up uh, the our lovable Cubs fan. But he kind of predicted this. That oh, the, rookie, no. the rookies would get into the slump. It was going to happen. And it's happening now, probably at the worst time. And, like, we talked about this on my show on Friday. You said if the Reds don't go 4-2 and two over these two series, that you'd be disappointed, very disappointed. They're not even going to get that. They might they'd be, they would be lucky to get two, two and four. Yeah, they'll be lucky to get two wins. God. They'll be lucky to get two wins. And you have the Marlins coming into town now today, tomorrow, Wednesday. And... I think the issue that a lot of people have right now, you know, reading the chat and seeing the frustration because of – we haven't seen the Reds play like this since early, early in the season when the lineup looks so much different. Now, look, Jonathan India's on the I.L. Jake Fraley's on the I.L. Right. Ben Lively's on the I.L. The injury bug has bit this team. Very it's hard. not like they are rolling out their A-plus lineup night in and night out. That's true. And still getting their tail kicked. Yeah. They are dealing with injuries. And they have been for the whole season. Yeah. Every time, and this is where I wish Elliot was sitting here because this is his stat, not to take credit for it. 
but he put out the video yesterday. Every time the Reds have had a significant losing streak this year, they've rebounded with a pretty significant winning streak. Yeah. They haven't let the slide continue. Tuesday, Tuesday night, last Tuesday night, the Reds played the Cubs. Reds beat the Cubs by a run. First place in the division. Everybody was all high and mighty. Everybody was feeling real good. Everybody was thinking to themselves that that felt like, I don't want to say a turning point in the season, but the Reds have struggled against the Brewers. They had a chance to really put the Cubs away, to, to put a stamp on the Cubs season, win two out of three of the next three games. Cubs would have been in the base, not in the basement, but they would have been in third place and a distant third. Instead, now the Reds have lost six in a row and by our good friends at the Bedford Sportsbook are relatively a distant third in the, uh, in the odds to win the NL Central behind the Brewers, who are at minus odds right now, the Cubs, who I think are just above even odds, maybe plus 150. I, I haven't checked this morning. And then the Reds somewhere around plus 300. I'd have to see the updated odds. That's what I'll, it was. I'll check right now. That's what it was last night. We are going to take calls on the show today. Again, I have Justin Williams coming up to talk about UC. That's going to be a great conversation. I love Justin. That's coming up in about five minutes um, when he joins. On the back side of Justin, on the, on the latter half of the show, we are going to take phone calls today. So if anybody wants to call in, if anybody wants to vent about the Reds, if anybody just wants to have a conversation about this weekend – we are going to get Casey's take on Logan Wilson. Also, Casey's take on the comments. Well, I have some thoughts, too. But since you're our, our resident Bengals guy here, we will we'll get your thoughts, too, on what Jamar Chase was talking about with uh, Joe Burrow and his availability. I think yep. Joe Burrow will be fully fine and cleared and ready to go week one. And I think that's just a little bit of lip service and maybe a little bit of shtick yep. from our guy, uh, Jamar Chase, knowing exactly what the media likes and doesn't like and what gets the fans and crowd riled up. Um, but we will take calls again. That'll be probably somewhere in the like 10:45 range. We'll put the number on the bottom of the screen. And if you want to call in at any point in the rest of the show, you can do that again. Uh, I'll talk more about the reds on the other side of the interview, but to me going through the motions this weekend, you have an opportunity on Friday night where you have the bases loaded. You can win the game. The winning run is 90 feet away. It's a situation where Jake Fraley, in any normal game, if he's not hurt, is hitting. There's no doubt. Right. And the fans start to ask themselves, where is Jake Fraley? Twitter goes, sorry, X.com goes into an uproar. Then we realize Jake's not even in the building. Or at least he's not in the dugout. Jonathan India is hurt too. Ellie De La Cruz is in the leadoff spot. Seems like he's striking out every time he goes up to the plate. The leadoff thing is not working. Appreciated the opportunity, but it's not working. When John Sadak yesterday, which by the way, John Sadak may be the most positive person in the Reds media community. I mean, you would have thought somebody shot his dog the last three days. I've never heard him in the last three years. I have never heard John Sadak being as quiet as he was. I mean, there were stretches on the broadcast where there would be two, three batters, and the Reds were down. And, I mean, he is a broken man. Yeah. 
the Reds have broken. <laughs> and for as much positivity as he always brings to the broadcast and always looking at everything from a glass half full and always trying to find the, the finer things in life, I, the Reds broke Sadak over the weekend. That game on Friday night where the Nats – I, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Lane Thomas that hit the home run, the two-run home run in the top of the 10th inning that then really, in effect, put the game on ice. The, he was he was silent. And the reason I bring that up is just because at it, so many different points, when it has seemed like the Reds might be down, when you might count them out, when they've been out of it, he's been there to point out, well, you know, it might be for this and this and this and this reason or this reason, or this reason. You're six games into this slide right now, and it's bleak. Yeah, I It's mean, bleak. It is very bleak. I think the Reds kind of pulled the rug from underneath a lot of us. Um, and and it, was, it was tough. It's been tough to watch. It really has been, because we thought we had... We had this false sense of security, right? They played really well against like the Braves, the Dodgers, some really good teams were winning a lot. Um, it just, like I said, there was going to be at some point, at some moment, that they were going to get into a slump. It just so happens that it's pretty much the whole team that's on a slump right now. And it really exacerbates the, the, the weaknesses of our team, too. I mean, pitching has been awful. Um, it's just not good, Paul. And I think I think that's what's really breaking people's hearts right now is because, and I, I said this I think about a month ago. I wouldn't be concerned if we were losing eight to nine, some high scoring games. Well, against it's, better teams too. It's the Nats. Yeah, yeah, it's the Nats, and we're losing really like we're we're losing games three to six. We're losing games. Just with this wide run margin, and it's be the reason why it hurts much more is because we thought this team was really good at bat, like at bats. They're just really good on offense, right? That was our our calling card. That was the thing that would get us over the hump. Was our lineup was going to outrun you, and it didn't matter who we had pitching. I somebody made a great point on Twitter. Sorry, on X.com yesterday. That um, the Reds right now, it might have been Kirby actually, uh, the Reds have really gotten away from what made them good all season. They're not tearing it up on the base paths. Right? No. They got to get on base to get there. I mean, Reds didn't have a base runner on Saturday through six innings. The a base runner. The walk walking percentage is also really bad now. It was at like... I don't. I don't want to misquote this. I think it was like at forty something. Um, the first part of the season. Now it's at twenty something. The second part of the season, it's dropped almost half. Mousecop makes a good point here, Brian. The same people that were saying that were saying the season was over at the beginning of the season are just back saying it again. It's wild. People are happy to be right about this team being bad. See, that's something I will never understand in sports. Is why people take pride in negativity. I've, I've never understood that. 
why be a fan? Why take pride in negativity? Why take pride in being right about a team you claim to be a fan of? I, I don't understand that. Sports are one of the least serious things that we have in society. Sports don't matter in the grand scheme of life in the world. It's an excuse for us to get away, enjoy time with our family, enjoy some time at night after work. It's an, it's an opportunity for us to talk with our friends about whatever it might be and see some great things happen from some phenomenal athletes on whatever the playing field is. And all these people that just get so down and negative and want to be so right about this team being bad right now because they've lost six games in a row when, oh, by the way, they are still tied for a playoff spot. That's right. They are still tied for a playoff spot. And they play the team that they're tied with. Pretty sure. Or no, they, they play the Marlins who are right beneath them. Yeah. So they, they could extend their lead in the playoff in the playoff conversation. I, 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 I just, you know, like you said, when you're losing games 20 to 9, 16 to 6, it's demoralizing. And I, and I get that. It is demoralizing night in and night out to lose the way the Reds are losing to the teams that they are losing to in the last week, the Cubs and the Nationals. Losing to the Cubs yet another time that you're losing in the division and the Nationals, you're just losing to the bottom of the barrel. Now, granted, the Nationals somehow, some way, are nine games, I think, out of a wild card spot. Nine games out of a wild card spot. I'm not saying it's going to happen. They have six teams in front of them but right now the reds are tied with the cubs for the final wild card spot san francisco and philly are three games in front they're 61 and 51 the reds have lost six in a row they're three and seven in their last 10 games the marlins they've lost four in a row they're three and seven in their last 10 games and arizona they've lost six in a row they're two and eight in their last 10 games two and eight nothing from justin i'll shoot him a text Oh, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just frustrating. It's just frustrating because they're losing games in ways that they didn't lose them before. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I was saying before, um, the calling card of this team was being able to outrun you. Um, be really good offensively. And that's just been non-existent since really the start of the, the second half of this season. Really going into the, the all-star break, it's been non-existent or not to the capacity it was before. And I think that's where fans are starting to really have doubt with the team. And I want to get out in front of this and just say, I think they're in a rut. I think they'll get through this. And like I said on my show Friday, I think they're going to have a fantastic September and be right there in the end. But right now, the Reds are working through things. That's, that's all this really is, in my opinion. It's going to take a while. And losing hurts more than, than winning does. Winning's easy. Losing for a fan, you want it to be changed right away. It might take them not winning a series in August and then figuring it out in September for them to, to 
to get into the playoffs. That, that could be a legitimate thing to, to have happen. Um, <laughs> stop the Casey curse. Yeah, there is uh, – if we're going to be a little uh, funny about this, since the new intro, we're 9-14. and 14. Since Jacob left, I'm pretty sure they're like – Oh, no. Are you, are you blaming that. Jacob? I'm not blaming Jacob, but he didn't have to leave so soon, did he? Hmm. Could have just waited until like mm. after September, maybe. Yeah, he did have a meeting today. I did text him to see if maybe he wanted to come on, but he did have a meeting today, so uh, he will not be on. As Everett says, how dare Jacob go and finish his education? I don't see. We said the same thing. Uh, we are going to take calls today. Again, we're going to have Justin. He's dialing in right now. Just shot me a text. He he's he's uh, joining right now. Uh, Elliot will be back tomorrow, and we'll we'll get into all the Reds. Tracy Jones will be on tomorrow, and again. again Tom is back on Wednesday. We'll have Tom Wednesday, Thursday, Friday uh, for the show. But for right now, is Justin ready? There he is. Justin, great to see you. Great to have you on. Appreciate you joining. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. Uh, you, first of all, um, before we get into um, UC's training camp and everything over at Camp Higher Ground and, and how the season's going so far, you wrote a great article back from the middle of July about um, conference realignment and how UC positioned themselves this time around as opposed to back in 2013. Um, if you haven't read the article, if you're listening right now, go and read it. It's fantastic. But can you just talk a little bit more about what you wrote in that article and, and how UC has gotten to this point um, and, and where they sit right now going into the Big 12, especially as you look at it from the lens of what's happened in the last five or six days in college football? Yeah, I was going to say it's particularly relevant now, right? Because, you know, what happened, what is happening right now to – Oregon State and Washington State and Cal and Stanford in the Pac-12. That's what happened to Cincinnati, you know, a dozen years ago when they were in the Big East. Um, and it's, you know, it's if, if you think about back, Cincinnati fans know this, but if you're just kind of a casual college football fan, Cincinnati was competing at the top of college football in, you know, 2008, 2009. They went to back-to-back -back BCS Bowls when they were part of the old Big East. They were very close to going to a national championship, actually, in one of those years if, if a couple things had kind of swung in their favor. Uh, and, and then the Big East falls apart, and Cincinnati's kind of one of those very few schools that was left on the outside looking in. You know, it, it happened to, to UConn at the time. It happened earlier when the old Southwest Conference uh, shut down for places like Houston and, and TCU and things like that. And so for Cincinnati, uh, they were, you know, competing with or better than all of their kind of automatic qualifying peers during the BCS uh, stint there uh, in, in the late 2000, uh, early 2010s. But they realized they didn't, you know, they weren't making the investments in their athletic department and their facilities that they needed to to compete with places like Louisville, who got one of the last spots in, in the ACC, or TCU, who kind of worked their way back up through the Mountain West and then into the into the Big 12 and, and Utah going to the Pac-12. So really, they kind of had to take this leap of faith. And it's a credit to Cincinnati, you know, board of trustees, athletic directors, presidents who invested in the university, whether it was, you know, renovating Nippert Stadium, renovating um, Fifth Third Arena, the, the basketball arena, but also just kind of all these efforts they were making behind the scenes to try and get the program back to that power conference level that they were at in the Big East. And there were certainly some times where 
it looked like it wasn't going to happen for him. You know, people remember in 2016, the Big 12, uh, you know, looked at doing another round of, of realignment. And Cincinnati was kind of viewed as one of the top prospects in that. And the Big 12 ended up deciding to stay put. They weren't going to add. And I really think after that, it, it felt like dark days uh, a lot of times for for Bearcats fans and for certainly people involved in the university and stakeholders. Um, but there was always this belief that if the next round of realignment happened, Cincinnati had to be ready, had to position itself. And, and you know, in some ways they got lucky because when it happened, uh, Luke Vickle was there and, and the team had gone to a New Year's Eve bowl and they were in the playoff race, ended up making the playoff. And so in that sense, you can kind of look from the outside and be like, well, it kind of just fell into to Cincinnati's lap. The Big 12 needed some teams. They were the best group of five team at that time um, but I think if you you know read that story and kind of look at the history it, it's really the 12 years of work you know 10 years of work that led up to that moment that allowed them to, to be in that position to, to get the invite and, and for things to work out and now with all the, this next round of realignment that's happening the Big 12 seems to be in a really good stable spot and, and Cincinnati's part of that going forward and so it shows just kind of how quickly in, in college athletics how uh, how much your fate can change. I want to go back to something you talked about from 2016, where it looked like UC was going to be in the Big 12. Everybody remembers the the banners, the backdrop being printed out and everything, the Enquirer and everybody else. That It seemed like a done deal. And then to get from that point to now where you're going to play in the Big 12, you're going to have Oklahoma come up here to Nippert Stadium, you're going to travel to, to Allen Fieldhouse in basketball, uh, it, it seems like UC – had to go and kind of look in the mirror were, were there specific things between 16 and you know 20 what when was it announced 2019 2020 when they announced that they won 2020 okay 20 got it all runs together justin it all runs together after covid uh when when they announced that they were going to join the big 12 that it was it was it one specific thing that you felt like changed or was it a, a collection of things can you just talk about that a little more like what you just mentioned yeah, you know, the the fifth third um, arena renovation was was after that 2016 as well. And, and I think that was another example of they put a bunch of money into Nipper Stadium, almost $90 million. Um, and, and then they realized, all right, you know, even though we didn't get in in 2016, you know, we need to keep going forward. We, we have to be ready. And so fifth third to put another $90 million into that. I mean, that's a big ask. And they were able to do that. But also just in general, it was it was the investment in football. Um, you know, they made the right hire in Luke Fickle. And that obviously worked out. But we had seen a history of Cincinnati coaches coming in, having success for a couple of years, Mark D'Antonio, Brian Kelly, Butch Jones, and then moving on to, to a bigger job. Luke Fickle absolutely had those opportunities starting after his second season. You know, there were places calling and trying to get him. Uh, and to Cincinnati's credit, they made the necessary investments to keep Luke Fickle, um, to increase his salary pool for assistant coaches, to just generally increase the resources um, that were involved in football. And eventually, you know, we got to what we're seeing now with, you know, they, they've unveiled plans for a $134 million indoor practice facility. The Big 12, you know, certainly helped with that, but they were working on those, you know, plans and, and ideas even before the Big 12 became a reality. And so there was an understanding that football drives the bus with realignment. And once they realized they had the right coach and Luke Fickle, they did everything they, they could to keep him there as long as possible. Obviously, he just, you know, this past offseason left and, and went to Wisconsin, but he stayed six years, which is an eternity for Cincinnati football coaches over the past couple of decades. And he was a big part of, of getting them to where they are right now. 
what what's your take overall because you're somebody that's in it you talk to these guys especially where uc is now settled and i think the biggest thing with conference realignment at least from an outsider's perspective is that it feels like all of these schools try to be on the leading edge of it right nobody wants to get left behind everybody wants to make sure that they are putting their best foot forward before anybody else to make sure that you're not ending up like washington state or one of these schools that now seem to be on the outside looking in Cal Stanford although I don't know how much they particularly care right now or their fan base cares that Stanford you know for as much tradition and history as they've had you know a lot of that now especially you look at Cal basketball and and, and a lot of those athletics that have shifted uh, in the last few years but to see the Pac-12 and all of its history disintegrate in a matter of hours like this what is your take overall as somebody that talks to you know these decision makers and everything What's your overall take on, on conference realignment in this past week? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw a good example. So we're, you know, just over a week removed from Colorado jumping to the Big 12, right? And that was kind of the first, obviously go back to Texas and Oklahoma, UC, USC and UCLA, that started this whole wave. But things had kind of settled. Uh, the Pac-12 was struggling to get a TV deal together. Once Colorado jumped to the Big 12, though, which I think was July 27th, then everyone kind of enters that, you know, a little bit of a panic mode that, that you reference because you do not want to be the one that gets left behind. And so if you're a team that was like, no, we want to stick in the Pac-12, we have a lot of history here, you know, people forget presidents make these decisions, you know, of universities, not just athletic directors or coaches or things like that. The presidents care about the academics and, and the history and tradition. And so there's always this kind of hesitancy to make these big moves until someone else does it first. And then that possibility of you getting left out and left behind starts to, you know, become more and more real. That is why I think we then saw the dominoes fall really quick last week with basically the PAC 12 completely falling apart. And, you know, from a fan perspective, there's been a lot talked and written about this. I don't think anyone likes this. You know, no one is excited about the PAC 12 falling apart or these, you know, we're kind of moving towards, it seems like this super conference future in college football or college football breaking off from the other you know, college sports and things like that. I, you know, nine out of 10 fans are, are going to be against that probably. But if you're talking about the people that are making the decisions are involved in this, you know, more money from TV contracts or whatever is always a pool, but even more motivating than getting more money is the fear of being one of those schools that's not, of getting left behind. And I think that's why once someone makes that first move, that's why you see a bunch of other teams kind of, you know, fall in line or, or a bunch of other dominoes fall behind that because you don't want to be what Cincinnati was 12 years ago. You don't want to be what it looks like Washington State, Oregon State, those schools might be right now. Well, and it's got to be frustrating, too, when you're looking at this and you're saying to yourself, all right, is is the NCAA or, or is – college football at least, is it just going to basically become a JV version of the NFL? Because you were already kind of trending that way. You had the SEC, you have all these national champions that are dominated by one league for the last decade plus. You sprinkle in LSU, you sprinkle in, but even, you know, LSU, SEC, you, you sprinkle in a couple of Clemsons and Ohio State back in 2014. But for the most part, this is a sport dominated by one conference. And now all of a sudden, you're creating this nationwide aspect of this sport where you're losing the geographical rivalries and everything else. Do you think in the long run that that matters for the health of this sport? Because college football is built on tradition and rivalry and everything else. And, and you know, Washington State fans taking their flag to college game day all over the country and, and those types of things that you don't get in the NFL. Do you think that college football is is 
at a breaking point right now and, and they're really at a, at a critical juncture for the sport? I definitely think the soul of the sport is, you know, kind of getting sucked away. And honestly, that's been happening over the past couple decades. You know, we, we saw that with that last round of, of realignment back in the early 2010s when Rutgers and Maryland and Nebraska are going to the Big Ten, and and that had a huge impact. Um, but you're definitely seeing it now where you're kind of losing the the regional conferences. You're losing a lot of longstanding rivalries. You know, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, who knows after this year, the next time they're going to play each other in, in the Bedlam rivalry. That seems ridiculous to anybody who would be a, a fan of, of those teams or of Big 12 teams in, in general. But to your question of, like, is it at a breaking point? I don't know because I know what all these TV executives and, and um, you know, broadcast partners are looking at, which is they're looking at what the ratings are when Ohio State plays Oregon or when Texas plays Alabama or, or Georgia. Uh People are going to watch. And, you know, you mentioned the JV NFL. I don't think anyone who kind of loves the history and tradition and uh, uniqueness and peculiarities of college football, no one wants that. But the only thing that people in America watch more than college football is NFL football on TV. So you're right. It's definitely kind of losing things that make it special. And maybe in the long run, we do see a debilitating effect in terms of, um, you know, younger fans or alumni connections to universities and things like that. But I also think that probably in five or 10 years, the ratings for these games are going to be better than ever, um, you know, from a TV standpoint. And unfortunately, that's what's kind of driving all these decisions. And I think that's what's going to continue pushing us towards this power conference future, whatever that might look like. All right, let's talk about UC right now out there at, uh, at Camp Higher Ground. How much longer are they going to be out there, Justin? And, and can you kind of just give an update on what it looks like right now? Yeah, so they just went out there on, on Friday, had their, um, you know, first, I think, full practice out there on Saturday. They're going to be out there for over two weeks. I'm not exactly sure what day they come back. They will come back over weekends. You know, I know this Saturday they come back and, and practice at Nipper Stadium to give guys a chance to come back to campus and all that. But they love it. I mean, this is the 25th year that they've done it out there at higher ground. They really feel like it gives them an advantage. You know, if you look at the history of Cincinnati, I think they went to one bowl game before they started going to higher ground. And then since then, it's been like, you know, 18 or 19 bowl games in the past 25 years or something like that. So they love kind of being able to get out there and get away and and have this team building experience. And honestly, they're going to need it this season because it's it's a huge year of transition for the team. Not only are they going to the Big 12 uh, and a huge step up in competition, they also obviously have a, a first-year head coach in Scott Satterfield. They're also the only Big 12 team this season that has undergone a head coaching change. Um, and with that comes you know a bunch of turnover in, in roster. They brought in, I think, 23 new players, whether incoming fresh or, or via the transfer portal, uh, and in some key positions, they have one returning starter on offense that's going to be back. So there is there's a lot of new with Cincinnati football right now, and uh, I think going out to higher ground and maybe having a few weeks where you block out all the distractions, it's just football, it's just you there with the team. That's the biggest thing this this group needs right now because there's there's a lot of transition and and newness that's going on. Is there anything you've heard or that has stuck out to you that makes you? Uh, positive about about the trajectory of this team right now I think the defense is going to be really good you know we, we talked about the offense only returning one starter there's a bunch of stars back on the defense Dante Corleone Juwan Briggs uh, Deshaun Pace and then they've gone out and added a few 
players that seem like they could be really good pieces via the transfer portal. Uh, Jordan Young, who, who came from Florida as a cornerback, you know, I'm not ready to call him Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant yet, but he looks like he could kind of be that next really good cornerback uh, that, that, that Cincinnati needs, especially going into the Big 12. So defensively, uh, you know, I expect them to be good this season, and that could really be, you know, the difference between having an encouraging year or, or not encouraging year. You know, you see fans, if you go back to 2018 when Desmond Ritter was a, a redshirt freshman, you know, he was still kind of learning the ropes. That, that defense kept them in a lot of games and, and gave them a chance to, to win a lot of games. They ended up winning, I think, 11 that year. I don't think they're going to win 11 games in the Big 12 this season, but if that defense can kind of keep them in games and, and give the offense a chance to, to squeak out a few, you know, close victories, then that could be the difference between a bowl-eligible season and encouraging season and then, you know, maybe a, a full-on rebuild. So the, the defense, I think, will be the key to this team. And then at, at offense, it's, you know, Emory Jones, the transfer quarterback. You know, how, how quickly can he mesh with uh, this revamped wide receiver room they have? How, how good can a, a newly built offensive line become? So it's almost like looking how good can the offense get and then how great can the defense be. And those two variables, uh, I think, are going to determine how fans feel about about this team this season while understanding that, it, you know, it's going to be uh, an up, uphill climb in, in a lot of respects either way. Yeah, the win total set at four and a half right now. I'm not asking you to uh, tell people how to spend their money, but if you had a take on that, what would it be? Yeah, if it's if it's four and a half, uh, I, I feel a little bit better about the over. I've seen five and a half some places, and and that's where I'm like, well, maybe you know, five feels like maybe it's kind of right there. And uh, and so what if you get six wins, you're bowl eligible. I think a bowl eligible Cincinnati Bearcats team this season is is a win. You know, in general, I think that's a successful season for them. Um, and then if you're kind of towards the end of the season and, and fighting that four and a half, five and a half win total, then I think that shows that there's some change to be made. If we're going into the last week of the season. And, and and the four and a half is not hitting win or lose, then I think that's where you, you might have some disappointment as a fan. All right, last question. Um, Scott Satterfield coming over here from Louisville and taking over this program. I know, you know, we've talked a lot in the last few months since he's been hired on this show that it wasn't exactly the the name brand cachet of, you know, going out and maybe getting a, a Deion Sanders, some big splash hire. But I I never got the impression that Dion was even a realistic candidate in this in this coaching shirts with, with John Cunningham and the way he was, you know, handling looking for a new coach at, at Cincinnati. Is uh, do you think now with with Colorado joining the Big Twelve, do you think that maybe a few years down the line, Colorado and UC play each other, and and Dion Sanders is coaching against UC that that maybe there's a little what if there, or or what do you think? What's your take on that? Look, this is a case for Cincinnati. This is a case for all the other programs that made head coaching hires in this past, you know, coaching carousel cycle. They're all going to be judged against Dion, probably, um, you know, for for good or for ill. So if Dion goes to Colorado and and proves to you know, kind of be this masterstroke hire, whether, you know, regardless of how long he then stays at Colorado, but if it goes there and work, we, works out, then Cincinnati fans and all the other, you know, USF, Georgia Tech, all these other teams that might have had a chance to, to bring Dion in, that's what it's going to be viewed against, you know, at least in some respects. Um, for Cincinnati, though, and, and for Scott Satterfield, I'm sure they're not thinking about it. But yeah, you know, if the Dion thing works, then a lot of teams are probably like, man, maybe we should have taken a chance on it. And then on the other hand, if the Dion thing doesn't work or, or crashes and burns, and I think there's going to be a lot of administrators who are pointing at it and going like, you know, th this is this is why we didn't go after it. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, the next two, three years, how that looks, and then maybe how some of those other fan bases uh, feel about it. All right. Justin, I really appreciate you taking the time this morning. Uh, we'll talk to you again sometime soon.
Thanks, Paul. Anytime. All right. See ya. Yeah, I'm going to be very interested this year to see uh, if it is set at four and a half. It may have jumped up to five and a half, but I will be uh, I'll be interested to see if, if UC can climb that total, maybe get bowl eligible in the first season. They have a few wins. I was talking to Zach Fries about that. They have a few wins snuck in there. Um, the chat right now is is off the rails about the Reds. There is a lot of discourse in there about the Reds right now. Uh, we will we will call for we'll put calls. You want to put calls on the screen? You want to put calls let's on the put, screen? Let's put let's put calls on the screen. We have an hour and 20 minutes left in the show if we do end up going that long. We may we may not end up going that long today. Um, but Sirboy Wonder Sirboy Wonder I I think he's going to have some time uh, that he wants to talk. He Sirboy Wonder has been asking for calls into this show for the last week since Tom has been gone. Uh, we haven't we haven't done it yet, but we're going to do it now. There is a phone number on the screen. Call that phone number. It's going to ask for the access code. That access code right underneath, just type it in, and you'll be able to join the show. I know it's it's kind of like a puzzle, but it's just basically two two numbers. Two numbers. Sirboy Wonder says he's going to be calling in the next 15 minutes. He'll bring the vibes back. Leave that number up on the screen, Casey, in case anybody wants to call. If you are watching and just want to talk, talk about the Reds, talk about whatever, talk about FC from this weekend. I don't know if anybody wants to talk about that, but if you do want to talk about it, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, call in. We'll take your calls, and uh, we'll, we'll just – we got to get the vibes back on track. And the only way the vibes are going to get back on track is if the Reds start to win some baseball games. They have Brandon Williamson going tonight. He'll be taking on Yuri Perez, who, oh, by the way, now is coming off the IL. 5-3 and three on the year, 2-3-6 ERA. And tomorrow night, it's Luke Weaver, Dream Weaver night. And then on Wednesday, noon game, it's Graham Ashcraft. I'm not sure that Dream Weaver with a 6.98 ERA is really going to get the blood flowing anymore on a Tuesday night. Um... I I think the Dreamweaver thing is over. I think it's run its course, sadly. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the Dreamweaver magic is done. Oh. I think I'm I, I am let's put it this way. If there was a transaction notice today by the Reds that said they had DFA'd Luke Weaver, which they can't do at this point because of their rotation. Well. I mean I guess they could get Connor Phillips up here. They, they did scratch him. They could. They could. They scratched Connor Phillips. I just, I just don't know. Do they do that this season? Do they do it that do, soon? But do they – this goes back to what we talked about when Christian Encarnacion Strand got called up about a month ago, and we were wondering if it was a little panicky. Did the Reds overreact a little bit to a losing streak coming out of the All-Star break? Well, some would say that they didn't overreact. I mean, he looks he looks the part. What would you say? What 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 would you say if Connor Phillips was called up right now? I don't know if I want him up here right now. I don't know if he needs to be up here right now. Kirby said on the show yesterday that he was walking people at an extreme rate, like six. Uh, batters per nine innings, pretty sure is what he said, at AAA. 
Um, if you want that, be my guest. I I would prefer to hit, for him to develop a little bit more. Um, you know, I I think the Reds just gotta get through this. In my opinion, they gotta just truck on through. I just don't know. Like, there's no there's no light at the end of this tunnel right now, unless unless the bats start coming back, unless we start getting some serious hitting going on again, and we can start running the tables with these guys, getting into these high scoring matches. I don't think that. Well, here's the know, other here's the other thing. You know, I'm reading the chat, and I I'm kind of catching up here on on what people were saying during the interview. Is the pitching – I understand the pitching has not put the Reds in a position to win in the last week. I understand that. They have not at all. The pitching has not at all put the Reds in a position to win baseball games in the last six days. But is the pitching really the crux of the issue right now? Because we all knew the pitching was always bad. Is the pitching the crux of the issue, or is it the fact that the Reds have really gotten away from what made them good yeah. over the course of June and July? Bingo. I think I think you're spot on with that. I think that's the real crux of the issue. I could care less about the pitching. The pitching's been awful all season. They need to start hitting the ball again. They need to start crushing it. I mean, the fact that Ellie had not attempted a stolen base in, what, three weeks? Well, he can't get on base. He can't risk it. Right? If you can't get on base, you can't risk. You can't risk stealing a, a bag. I mean, you got to get on more than one a, once a game, if that. I mean, he's got he's got a couple offers in this time period. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I think changing the lineup is maybe the best course of action. It, I, I'm very curious what they do today. Yeah, you know, Fred M points out that the Reds' approach has changed for some strange reason. It it does. It feels like that. It feels. You know, I don't know if it's a group of young guys that all of a sudden are getting nervous because they're in a playoff race and they realize they have something to play for. When in June and early July they were basically just playing with house money, and now all of a sudden you get to a point in the season where you look at the standings. You start doing the scoreboard watching. You start trying to figure out if you can go out there and win a division. And you're saying to yourself, okay, well, now what? You're not hitting much anymore. You're not stealing bases. You're not putting your front foot forward. You're not doing what made you good and what got you to this position. You know, it's it's sometimes it's like, you see these golf tournaments where guys will be four or five strokes up and then they start laying up or they start playing it cautiously because they got a little bit of a lead. But then you you don't allow yourself the biggest margin for error because you're not doing what got you to that point in the first place. Instead of being more aggressive, instead of doing things that keep the opponent off balance, stealing bases, causing the opponent to commit errors, throwing the ball into center field on a stolen base, that gets you to third, and then the, whoever it is can score on the next pitch on a fly ball to center field, whatever it is. It, the Reds have gotten away from that. They're playing conservative, slow baseball that 
is not indicative of who this team is. It's not it's not it's not what this Reds team is. And that's what's the most frustrating. I would agree. Casey, uh, do you have – so it's 1048 right now. Let's talk about the Bengals. Sure. I'll give you There's the, lots to talk about the Bengals. I'll, I'll give you the floor here because Casey did the show on Friday, which, by the way, again, Casey, you did a great job Thank you, Paul. on Friday's show. You said that you had prepared a lot of things that you did not get to talk about. But there's there's some news, too, that we could probably – that we should probably talk about, like the Logan Wilson contract, which is what I'm going to start with first. Um, Logan Wilson, I have this uh, this graphic here, signed a four-year, $37.25 million deal. <clears throat> and if you guys don't remember, Jermaine Pratt signed a $20.25 million contract for three years. That equals about roughly $57.5 million in total money. And if you can remember as well that the Ravens last year traded for one of the top linebackers in the NFL, Roquan Smith. And I have this graphic for you. I'm going to pull it up right now. I'm going to quickly remove this lower third for just a minute. Look at this deal. Look at the deal that the Bengals got compared to a division rival. It's incredible. The Joe Burrow effect is in full swing. Look at this. For the next three years, we have a combined Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson for less than what the total guaranteed money that Roquan got. And they both play better than him, especially in the playoffs. I mean, combined, the two of these guys are special. This team has done an excellent job. I'm going to put back the lower third for you guys for Somebody, the phone calls. Mr. Mo, Mr. Moe said that the access code didn't work. Uh, it should have worked. I saw him pop in for a second. Um, Try again, Mr. Moe. Just make sure that, uh, that it's a star and not a pound sign at the end. I think that's what the issue might be. But anyways, that deal that the Bengals did... Or the, the, that they ended up getting done with Logan Wilson. I mean, it's super smart. You get your linebacker tandem that's been excellent for another three years. You've got two quarterbacks now on the field, two veteran leaders, and guys that have made plays. I mean, in the Super Bowl run, we all remember the Jermaine Pratt interception in the Raiders game. Logan Wilson catches an interception in the Titans game. Sets up Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase to get that field goal to end that game. Jermaine Pratt last year against the Chiefs strips Travis Kelsey. I mean, these two these two guys are special together. And with this defense and what they've been able to do with the contract situation, despite paying line, like there's a stigma about paying linebackers. Despite that, they got great deals for this and. Now it's a position that they just don't have to worry about for another three years. Yeah, and the fact that those two guys are making, what, $16 million combined, and that's what Jesse Bates is making on his own. Right. It, it was a – I don't know if it was planned out that way necessarily, but it, it has worked out for the best for them. And very excited for that tandem to be together for the next three years. I think it makes a big difference – 
Um, but the question now remains, what do the Bengals do about, about uh, T. Higgins? What do they do about T. Higgins? Because the money's starting to get a little thin. We haven't signed Joe Burrow yet. And you got to start to question. You got to start to wonder if they've got something figured out. Um, I would imagine at this point that T. Higgins isn't getting top money. He's not getting the top, top market money, like $25 million a year, which was what some people were speculating. Um, but I just uh, got to sit and wonder. I wonder what what is next to come. Uh, I think I've got someone calling in here. All right. If Let's you go. Can, Let's just, just what, fire. What is, what is, all right. I'll admit them. Hang on one second. Okay. Okay. All right. It's asking for a pin after I put in the access code. That's what Mr. Moe is saying. It, this. Well, it should be. It should be. Uh, the pin is the access code. So we, we, we love making it as hard as possible on this. But there's I, nothing really we can do because there's someone, there's someone in here. For right some now. reason, we can't get rid of the access code. We're doing this on the fly. No breaks, no Yo. commercials. We're doing this on the fly. You know what? While you're Kirby doing that, I'll do, uh, I'll do the ads. Uh, hang on. Hang on. Oh. We have Kirby in. We have Kirby We have in. Kirby? Yeah. Put on your headset. Oh. I keep trying to tell you we got someone. Okay. Hello. Hey, Paul. There. How you doing? Mi Nick, I thought you said you didn't want to join. Well, I, I, I felt no one was calling in. I felt felt bad you guys were getting hung to dry. But I think they're, I think I figured out what your issue is for everyone else. So you call, you put in the access code, and then when it asks for the pin, just hit pound, and that'll get, get everyone in. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if we have enough room on the lower third to, to stick all that in there. This seems like a lot for a Monday morning to ask our audience to, to figure all of that out. But it's okay. Nick, uh, I, I know you said you didn't want to join, so I won't keep you long, but uh, you've been in the chat. Do you, do you have anything that you want to say verbally instead of just firing things off in the chat? Nah, nah, vibes are low, but you know what? It's been a fun season. Uh, I think the boys are going to get back on track, so. Okay. Okay. But you guys are doing great. Call All right. in, We'll take it. We'll take it, Kirby. I appreciate you calling in and, and figuring that out so we can uh, – there we go. Casey changed it up. So we, it's a three-step process to call in the show, the phone number, the access code, and then the pin – the puzzle to figure it out. Kirby, I appreciate it. And uh, Reds oh, will be okay. Hold on. Uh-oh. Hold on. The, the pen is pound, not the asterisk sign. Okay. Wait. Pound. So, okay. So you have pound. to hit, you have to put the asterisk sign after the, uh, after the number and then you hit pound. Okay. So you call in. Here we go. It asks you for the access code. You put in the access code. Then it's going to ask you for a pen. And when you get to the pen, just hit the pound sign. It, gotcha. it says it. if you don't, it'll say if you don't know the pin, hit the pound sign. And so that's how I figured out how to hit the pound sign. Got it. Okay. Kirby, troubleshooting from Cleveland. <laughs> I appreciate it, Kirby. Thanks, Kirby. Thank you. Thank you. Have a hell of a show. All right. Thank you, Kirby. See you, Kirby.
Yeah, we got we got a caller coming in too. Okay. So hang on. Let's try it. Let's see. All right, we got someone in here. If you wanted to Let's say try your it. Name. Yeah, who is it? Who's calling in? This is Mr. Mo. How are you guys doing? Mr. Mo, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I wish uh, this weekend went a little bit better, but uh, my bachelor party was this weekend, so my liver Ooh. was a little shot. Where'd you go? Uh, I actually had it at my house. Um, I had a, a two-man tournament, so we had a bunch of people come from out of town, and we all played a bunch of yard games and stuff. There we I go. I don't remember too much after. <laughs> <laughs> when, when's the wedding? Is it coming up, or is there, are you doing the bachelor party way in advance? Uh, way in advance. Um, it's early November. Oh, okay. All right, so he's got some time. All right, so I've seen you in the chat here. Appreciate you always being in the chat, sharing your thoughts, everything else. What do you got for us on uh, from the weekend? I just got one thing. I've been complaining about it for weeks. We got a petition to get Barry Larkin off the dang broadcast. <laughs> he is atrocious. I'll let all the trade stuff. Everybody can argue about that. It's kind of a kind of a lost cause to argue about that. But I think we can all agree that Sadak is on his own drowning. It you know, and I I made the point earlier. I, I, you must have been listening when we were talking about this that. It, it feels like the Reds broke the broadcast booth in the last week. I, I've never heard them. I don't know if I've ever heard a major league broadcast booth so demoralized as they were this week. It was actually kind of depressing. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I mean, there were the, in the bottom of the 10th inning. Well, the top of the 10th after that two run homer by the Nats. And then in the bottom of the 10th inning, I, I have never. And then that, that kind of carried through the weekend, especially in the first six perfect innings on Saturday and then yesterday, the way the game started. I, I've never – it was the most unique listening experience in a Major League Baseball game I've maybe ever had. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't get to watch much of the game Saturday, obviously. But yesterday, I was sitting on my couch contemplating life, and <laughs> they didn't make it any better. I can promise you that. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it, it was a long weekend. I think it was a long week, really, for the broad it, it, to go from two games that are blowouts. It's it's always tough doing a blowout baseball game. You hope that you have enough ammo in the chamber to to carry you through. But when Luke Maley pitches two nights in a row, you kind of run out of things to talk about. Would be my guess. And then you get Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where you're hoping that you come back home in front of a sellout crowd. You're trying to rebound. There's energy back in the building, and then you get swept by one of the worst teams in the league. It just the energy got sucked out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, last thing, rest in peace to uh, Elliot Luke Weaver stick. I can think we can finally <laughs> bury that and, and pronounce it dead. And I'm sorry, Elliot's been just going through it. Mr. Stickman himself is just hes just going through it. So, big shout-out to him. We hope that it gets better. We hope that we can finally get a win today. If, if not, I don't know what Elliot's going to do. He did not leave Chicago with a win. No, he did not. No, no, he did, he did not. He had, a, uh, he had a long week up in Chicago, and uh, word on the street was that it rained yesterday or the day before, maybe both. And uh, – it was, it was a long weekend for our guy, Elliot, and I think he's going to be very glad to be back here in the studio sitting over to our left tomorrow when, uh, when he comes back here. 
I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say because I'll probably uh, tell my boss that I'm going to need to take a about an hour just to listen to him rant at least an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll have some thoughts. No, no, no doubt about that. All right, Mr. Mo, anything else for us? No, that's it. Uh, you guys keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Casey, you killed it on your show. Thank um, you, Paul. You're as always. You guys take care. Everybody else that's listening, get your asses on the phone and start calling. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mr. Mo. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. You guys take care. All right. Well, you know, it's it's funny hearing that with with the broadcast booth because you just feel like so much energy is is gleaned or waned from what you hear on tv and when you're not getting much it's tough yeah when when you're experts because they're i would consider them reds experts right they watch them every day yeah when they are when they are down wouldn't say there's anybody bigger maybe yeah (laughs) almost like i don't know the baseball game uh yeah, like. <laughs> that, that, which, by the way, can we talk about that for the second? I never went back and clipped that, but that was your best line from Friday. That was without a doubt, with, no, no doubt about it. Absolutely, no doubt about it. That was your best line from Friday when you sat up here, just so genuine in this chair, and you looked over at me and you said, "You know, Paul, well, I know, I just don't know the baseball game." <laughs> it was so genuine. I appreciated that. Well, I mean, it's true. I'm not going to sit up there and act like I'm a baseball expert because I don't know whether or not uh, – I was, think I was talking about um, Luke Weaver and whether or not uh, Malley should have trapped the ball to, yeah. to stop all that nonsense. I'm not going to act like I know that that should have happened or not. But anyways, when you're experts, when you're the guys that sit up there every day and you're the voice of the Reds and you sound like that, defeated – you know, like, they don't even say it, right? It's just in the inflection of their voice. It's just really yeah. monotone, down. It affects the whole fan base. And I think uh, I think it's tough, man. I think they know that they're not performing the way that they think they should. And uh, there's no light at the end of this tunnel, like I said, unless they find their bats back. That's what's what it's going to take. Man, this is so hard to. <laughs> That's what it's going to take for them to be able to to come back and play the way that we all know that they can, getting on base, stealing bags, crushing the ball, getting on base. That's what it's going to take. I hope Natty Ron calls in. Oh, Ronnie please. Ronnie Smith, he's asking for a call in segment. Except we've been doing it for the last twenty minutes. Ronnie, all you got to do, you just look at the screen, call the number. We'd love to have you on. We'd love to talk to you. You've been in the chat since basically day one. We'd love to have you on. Just dial in. Dial in. Yeah, so call the number. You type in the access code, and it's going to ask for a PIN. The PIN is the pound sign. From there, you should be able to call in. I just don't know if you have to put the asterisk after the six. No, you don't. Okay. I think it's the PIN is either the pound or the, the uh, star. But Natty, we'll, go, we'll go with pound. Ronnie says he can't. He's at work. We'll figure a way soon to get the boss. Got the boss around. <laughs> all right. All right. Don't want to get anybody fired. That's fair. That's fair. 
Um, Casey, let's get back to the Bengals real quick uh, until we get our next call, which hopefully will be soon. Uh, you had some other takes. So I'll, I'll give my take. We, we, we covered the linebackers. Um, the Joe Burrow situation, I think it's a little bit of gamesmanship from Jamar Chase and everybody else. I do too. I, I think it's very much a – now, I, I do think, you know, it's kind of like what we always talk about with Reed when Reed sits up here and he does his Cubs-Red shtick, but there's always some underlying truth to the comedy. And I, I think that there is some truth to what Jamar Chase is saying where – if Joe Burrow isn't fully ready for week one, they don't want him to risk coming back to play until he knows that he can go out there and win them football games week in and week out. So right. I do appre- I understand the sentiment. I do too. But he knows, he very much knows the way that he is phrasing that and what he is saying and the reaction he's going to get from it. And I think that's why he's saying it. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I think it's a, it's a ploy to get all the other fan bases riled up again make them feel like they're going to take a victory lap because Joe Burrow's not playing. And then they're all going to get disappointed when Joe Burrow plays week one. I mean, I think that just from Joe Burrow's character, that regardless of how he's feeling, he's going to go out there. And I think Jamar is just trying to explain the sentiment behind it, that the only thing that matters is Joe Burrow being healthy towards the end of the season. They all they need to do is get a wild card spot. They get the very last spot and they'll be fine because they got Joe Burrow. That's how he feels, and that's why he's saying what he's saying. It don't matter if he he plays week one or not to him. As long as they have him towards the end of the season, they'll be fine. And you know, I I love stuff like this because he's not saying it, but you just know if you've been following the Bengals for as long as we have, if you know these guys' personalities, he knew exactly what to say to stir up everything. <laughs> the media, other fan bases, and the other fan bases were taking victory laps, parading around like, oh, the injury's more of a big deal than it. they're leading it on to be, and this, that, and the other. Nah, he's fine. He'll be all right. He'll play week one, and he'll disappoint everyone else except for the Bengals fans because – that's Joe Burrow, and he he's gonna go out there and and play Week One. I just know it. Do you have any thoughts on anything you've seen or heard or watched from training camp so far? Uh, over this weekend, um, the couple of things that happened over the weekend, Miles um, Murphy uh, got some rotational time, like I said before on my show Friday, how he was going to be playing some defensive tackle and edge. He's not getting first-team reps as of right now, but he is getting some opportunities to play both positions, which he's big enough to do both. And I think uh, they're looking to fill in that that role that um, maybe eventually will become the uh, rotational piece for Sam Hubbard. Um I think uh, the other couple of notes from the weekend, um, they just, on offense, you know, they're looking, the receivers are looking great. Um, Charlie Jones did not hurt himself to the point where he is out for the season. 
Um, it looks like it's just a, a, a like a very minor shoulder injury. Um, should maybe make a return week one, um, maybe even sooner than that. So we missed a bullet there, dodged a bullet there. Um, I did not see anything about Travion Hendrickson, uh, Travion Williams. Williams, Williams yet, not Henderson. Um, and other than that, man, training camp is going well. Um, still seeing a lot of just really good highlights from the corners. Um, I think that room is going to be very stacked and underrated this season. And um, this morning, I saw something that uh, uh, Peter Schrager from Good Morning Football, he, he did a little piece about Andre Yoshivash, um, our fifth round, sixth round, cor uh, not corner, uh, receiver. Just saying how he, he's super underrated and uh, could could make a big impact on our offense. I agree with that sentiment as well. I think you think done... he can. Well, it just but, but what 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 is a big impact though for a six round wide receiver when you have I, this fit, core already and fit uh, like in your fifth string, sixth string guy? You know, it, he's gonna make a big impact by just giving them the depth that they need. And if anyone goes down, I think he can service be like a very serviceable replacement. Um, I think that if he does get any playing time, if they go wide, if they go spread where they've got five receivers out there, I expect Yoshi Vash to be out there. I think he plays really well in uh, deep routes. He's got the size. He's got the strength, um, the speed. Um, he tested like one of the best athletes of all time, according to his RAS score, which. Well, we don't care about that around here, or at least I don't. <laughs> you care about what's on the field. That's right, Casey. And all reports are just saying that these guys have been playing above expectations. Chase Brown playing well. And the other thing, too, that I want to harp in back on is the pass blocking for running backs. And it's just looked like Joe Mixon has been able to take a step forward in that department. Um, very, very um, excited to see where he goes. There's a couple of clips of him picking up blitzers. Um, that's exciting for me. If he is able to take that next step forward and become a pass blocking back, I mean – Joe Mixon will never be out on third down ever, yeah. which is, you know, best case scenario. I think we've got one uh, caller in here. We do. We do. Uh oh, I know who this is. Let's see if it's. Let's see if it's Stop. who we think it is. Stop, gentlemen. Is this is this Sir Boy Wonder five one three? What's going on, Paul? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? We could have been. We could be better right now, but you know, you know. I know we're all down right now because our Cincinnati Reds have dropped six in a row, but if you would have told me last year where we were ending up losing 100 games and you would have told me we could be still in a playoff, still in a wild card spot, and we're only be a, what are we now, game and a half out of first place, I would sign up for that every day of the week. So we're still doing all right. We're still I doing all right. I, I think you and about every other Reds fan that – has their head on their shoulders, probably agrees with that, sir boy. I mean, it's just tough right now, man. Golly. Golly. They just 
Man, hopefully they can get it started tonight, though. Hopefully were you, we get back. Were, you down, were, were you down there this weekend? I was actually not. I was not down there this weekend. I didn't okay. get to make it down there. But, but I'm, yeah, I watched the last three games and just, man. It almost reminds me of two years ago. Like, they would all – or when Nick and Jesse Winker and all those guys are on this team. And it almost feels like – it almost feels like to me that they're just praying that someone's going to hit a home run and guys are going to be on base. And that's going to save them. They got to – you guys are spot on. They got to get back to how they were winning games before. They got to get guys on base. I mean, personally, I think tomorrow when India – hopefully India comes back off the IL tomorrow, they need to put him back in lead off. That's what I would do. I'd put him back at lead off. I would leave Matt or put Friedel in the two hole, put Matt McLean at third, and then I'd put Ellie back and forth because it just ain't working out. It well, I think I, you know you're right. The the Ellie leadoff experiment has run its course and it's not working out. And if India comes and back, let me and, just say this real quick because okay. I've seen a lot of people going after Ellie, talking about how he's going to be this bust or whatever. Two years from now, we're going to be talking about him like he's in the MVP conversation. I'm just telling y'all. Y'all can continue to com- try to compare this guy to that St- Aristides Aquino. Ellie's got more talent in his right pinky than Aquino ever had in his whole entire body. So I cannot wait to go after all them people when in two years now when we're talking about Ellie De La Cruz and the MVP talk. So I just wanted to get that off my chest real quick, though. No, 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 sir, boy, you've, it it looks like in the chat, you've had a few other takes that you've wanted to get off. Is there anything else that's on your chest? That's weighing you down. That's getting you, getting you negative on this Monday morning that we got to turn that frown upside down. What what are we looking like right now? Tyler Stevenson, I know everyone thinks he's a bum and he can't catch and he can't hit. And I, and you know what? So far this year, he has been the exact, he has been that. He has been absolutely atrocious. But we are talking about the same guy for two straight years. Was hitting last year before he got hurt. He was hitting 300, doing pretty well. And the year before that, he was hitting 280. I just think it's one of those years where you just don't have a great year. He's coming off that shoulder injury. I know I hate using the injury thing as an excuse. But, guys, give him time. Give it Give it another half season next year. I'm telling you, Tyler Stevenson is a part of this future. He's going to be good. He's going to be good. He is two he has proved way too, the last two he has proved to us he can hit he can hit major league pitching. Just just well, bear, it, bear with it, us. He's it, going it, to did, well. it, it did look like he was at least making an attempt to frame pitches over the weekend. It looked like yeah, maybe he had heard I the talk. Know. I don't he wasn't doing great, but at least it looked like he was making an effort. Yes, absolutely. I just I don't you know, it's just sometimes you just have one of those seasons where you're just not all there. And it just seems like to me that's what he's doing right now. Contrary, I know I know everyone thinks India is doing the same thing, but honestly, I don't think India was doing that bad until they moved him out of the leadoff spot. I think that would fix itself too. I think India would be hitting 270 right now if he was still hitting leadoff, but that's just me. But, yeah, just I think, I think we need to hold off on the Stevenson hate. I know everyone – wants them to just go with Luke Maley most of the time and then you split time with Stevenson or whatever when What's-His-Face comes back. But I'm just – I the last two years he's played pretty darn good for us. And he's also given us a lot of clutch hits too when we needed him. So I just – I don't know. I don't think we should be 
in the camp to just get rid of him just after one bad year. I don't know. Maybe. If you it know, continues in the next year, then I get it. Then, I'm, then we can I'm, start asking that conversation. I'm going to be really interested in the next – few days assuming Jonathan India comes back and he's healthy and they put him back in the lineup and yeah. we see how he plays mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting sir boy wonder to to see what his response is to all of this criticism and everything that he has gotten and he survived the trade deadline he's still with the Reds yeah. and now he has an opportunity to go back out there and still produce for this team after everything he's had to listen to in the last month and a half it's uh, it is going to be, it's going to be an, a, a very interesting time for our guy Jonathan India in the next week. To I 10 just don't. Days. We can't. We he can't be hitting third or he can't be hitting fifth though. And I don't think it does any good for this team if he's hitting seventh, eighth, or ninth. I really don't. Yeah. I don't, no. I don't no. You're right. Benefit. You're right. He established himself as a leadoff hitter, and he was hitting whatever he was hitting, three hundred plus, right? In, we in the leadoff spot. We I mean, yeah. I mean, other than since. Shin Su Chu, who was a pretty darn good leadoff hitter for the one year he was here in 2013. What a callback. We haven't had a consistent – yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. But um, we haven't had a consistent leadoff hitter until he showed up two years ago in our lineup. And I don't get me wrong. I love T.J. Friedel, and I think he had, he did well for a while. But uh, personally, I think Friedel should be hitting ninth right back there as the second leadoff to be the second guy to turn the tables over. And I think that would just – be perfect for those two. Well, and that's the thing because, that I that's the thing that I said earlier is that it's it's frustrating to see the Reds losing this game these games and the way that they're losing them. Yeah. I get it because yeah. beca- because exactly. they're 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 losing games in different ways than they were losing them earlier in the season. They were they're not doing the things that made them good when they were good yeah. in in June and into late July. The yeah. difference is though when you want to talk about aggressiveness on the base pass, the Reds just simply aren't putting people on base. Up yesterday, exactly. fourteen. Got to get four, back to doing that. Yeah, four, fourteen of the last fifteen runs that the Reds had scored up to a certain point yesterday had come off of home runs. They're not manufacture. That, they're not manufacturing runs at the same rate because they're not getting guys on base. It, yeah. They're not stealing. They're not being aggressive. They're not doing the things that always made them good because they can't right now because the offense is in the biggest rut that it's been in all season. So now you got to look at it though, where India's been hurt. Fraley's been hurt. You had pitching injuries. You've had. You're, you're trying to get these guys back. You're trying to get healthy, and you're trying to tread water until you can get to that point. But right now, they're not treading water very well. They're out there in the choppy ocean, and the waves are starting to crash over them, and it's starting to get dark out. And you're hoping that the Coast Guard comes and finds you before the sun sets, or else you're really out there stranded. But right now, it's about seven o'clock. The sun's going down to the horizon, and you think you have one more flare left. And you hope that that's these guys coming back from injuries. And yes, I I couldn't agree more with that. And they just and we were talking and we're we're just not. I don't even think we're a month and a half away from where we just went on a twelve game winning streak. And how many times did we fall down early in the game and we came back and won the game? Well, 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 well. I will, I will, I will, I will point out though. I, I, you look at the way that the Orioles are built. The Orioles and the Reds have the most comeback wins in baseball yes. right now. Yes. The Orioles, uh-huh. you could argue, the Orioles are the best team in the American League, and I could sit here and listen to an argument that they're the best team in the league. The Braves are the best team in the league, but if you really wanted to sit yeah. here and say that the Orioles are the best team in the league, I could at least have a conversation about it. I would still argue that it's the Braves, but 
you could say that it's the Orioles. Franchise something that the Orioles don't have. But starting pitching. You're the the you're right. The, what I what I'm saying is when you look at the Reds and how they are built, I did think that there was going to be a point where the comeback victories was an unsustainable model for success. Oh, it, it, it was absolutely. just the way that it absolutely. was happening. And now you're starting to see that catch up where three weeks ago, four weeks ago, yesterday the Reds get down four nothing in the first inning, and you think to yourself, Ah, all right, they're gonna come back, they're gonna win, it's all right. Right now, that same juju, yeah. that same momentum, that same mindset, it's not there for the Reds right now. Oh, I I tweeted that out a couple of times this weekend where the team just looks totally flat. I mean, they just look like they're just sputtering and they're kind of just moseying along. Hopefully someone's going to make something happen. Like I said earlier, wait, wait for the home run. Hopefully people are on base or whatever. And just get back to where it was. Literally, just go back a month ago before we started playing the Brewers. If they could just get back to that, yeah, they'd be all right. And you, at the end of the day, it's a very young team, and we can't expect all these. We can't expect all these guys to be hot throughout the season. They're going to have tough stretches. They're going to. They're going to go through loss, and they're going to come out of it. I mean, it's. A, I'll be honest. It's amazing how far that we've gotten so far. I mean, we're a game and a half out of first place. And no one in a million years would have thought we'd be at this point right now, even with all these guys up. So I just, I mean, it's just hopefully get, hopefully India coming back tomorrow. Hopefully in a couple of weeks when Green, hopefully Vladolo. We hopefully we see something with Vladolo. I'm with you. I don't know if he's pitching at all at in this season at not or not. What that remains to be seen. But hopefully they can just get, just get something going and hopefully. Hopefully the weather looks better for tonight, but because it absolutely looks <laughs> terrible right now. But hopefully they could just get get back on a roll, though, man. Because man, I mean, it's wild. If you look at their last, I Mouse Cop was talking about this last night. I saw a stat or whatever where half their half their wins have come on winning streaks. It's like it'll be three games here, three game loss here. Another five-game win streak here, five-game losing streak here. If you could just even that out a little bit, then you then you got something. But yep. I'm not going to give up. I I'm not. We're way too far into this season to say that it's over. It's not over. They got they got time. They just they got to get they got to get rolling again. And I and I believe in this team. I believe in L.A. De La Cruz, Matt McLean, Spencer Steer, Andrew Abbott. I mean, you just got to They just got to get the. They got to get green and they got to get a couple of these guys back. Sir Boy Wonder, you're the best. Thank you so much for the call. Gentlemen, have a great day, bud. All right. See you. All right. We got one more caller. Let's go, baby. Thanks to everybody for calling in. That's good. I love the calls. Ever pointing out. I love the call-ins. I do have a golf story from the weekend, by the way. Hey, hey. How's it going, guys? Oh, who's this? My name's Tyler. Long-time listener. First time in the chat. How's it going? Love it. Great to hear from you, Tyler. What do you have for us? Yeah, just I uh, want to talk to you guys about David Bell. Man, I see a lot of people giving him a hard time lately during this losing streak. Uh, where do you guys put that on him? Or There were uh, some decisions from Friday night's game that really, really made you scratch your head. I am not going to sit here, though. And look, the optics are bad that the Reds have not won since David Bell got his extension. 
everybody now talking they they did it too early they should have waited till after the season whatever whatever the case may be there have been some uh some times you know whether it's pitching changes whether it's lineups whatever it might be you know i i i do hope that the uh I hope that the Ellie leadoff experiment ends soon. That could be as soon as tomorrow night when Jonathan India comes back, if they stick him at the leadoff spot. Um, There are some things like that. But overall, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to sit here and pin 16 to 6 or 20 to 9 on a managerial decision. I just don't, I just don't think, I just, I just don't think I can do that. No. And I mean, ultimately too, the players got to go out there and get hit. You know, David Bell's not striking out with the bases loaded. He's not grounding into double plays, you know? So yeah, he could have made some better decisions, but at the end of the day, you got to get some runs. Because it's the, here's the thing. It's not like in these six games, I sound like a broken record saying this, but because it keeps getting brought up, I have to say it. It's not like the Reds are, just kind of getting beat. They are getting killed. They are getting crushed. Yeah. And I know maybe, you know, a three-run loss doesn't seem that bad on the on on the outside because it's a three-run loss in extra innings. But even in that game, it, you, you lose by three in extra innings and it feels like you get the life sucked out of you. I it's After not it, it, it's not like it's yeah, it's not exactly. It's not like it's six games in a row where you're just going out there and and you're rolling the ball out there and you're hoping that things go well and you you're getting hits and you lose every game ten to nine. The Reds right now are are playing the worst baseball they've played all season and they're getting killed. Some of that maybe I mean, is man- some of that's managerial lineup structure whatever, but some of it is injuries. A lot of it is injuries. A lot of it is pitching. Yeah. And a lot of it is stuff out of his control. Yep. So yep, hopefully it gets better for him. You know, I think he'll. I think. Uh, I think we'll get out of this. Luckily, we're playing a Marlins team that you know has has been struggling too. So hopefully we can get right against Miami. So, yep. But, You're right. You're right. Yeah, but, uh, All right. I'll Anything? say one more thing. Yep. Joe Burrow should sit out. He hasn't really done great against Cleveland historically, and if he's not 100%, I wouldn't really rush him out there. Trevor Simeon's not a bad backup. You're saying to punt the Browns game with Trevor Simeon? Who said it's a punt? Trevor Simeon's never had weapons like Jamar Chase and T. Oh, man. (laughs) What? You want to punt a divisional game in week one? I mean, we punted the divisional game in week one last week against last year against Pittsburgh, basically, when he went out there and threw five picks. So, <sighs> almost won the game. Well, that's a take. That's a take. Oh, Casey, man. Casey, Ow. wait, hold on, hold on. Because Casey's chomping at the bit right here. Don't hang up yet. Casey, what do you got? I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow had them in position to win the game. They were a field goal away from winning that game. If you want to blame anyone... And I blame this guy. I blame Drew Sample all the way for that loss, 100% on him. And I remember well, the, that, that week when it happened, I, I got really fired up about it. I had to make an apology, actually, like the following day. I was so mad. <laughs> I was so mad. I mean, you can't, you can't lose a divisional game, especially when you got to go play the Ravens the following week. If you go 0-2 – 
the first two games of the season, you're at a 12% chance of making the playoffs. And that's not including the divisional games added in with that. I think he's got to play week one. You got to at least try to squeak. Even if he's less than 100%, you want him out there, you think? Like, if he's not at risk tough. for injury, yeah, if I he's mean, not at no. risk for it to elongate his injury, maybe he hasn't fully recovered. But if, he, if, the, if they assess that he's not at risk of, an, of re-injuring his calf, my God, man, throw him out there. What are we doing? I agree. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Oh. Okay. Oh. That's fair. You have anything else? Come on, you got anything no, else for us? Guys. Nothing? Uh, All right. Love the show. Uh, definitely be calling in more. Love the show. Nice talking to you guys. Love it. Great to talk to you, too. Thanks for the call. Appreciate the questions. Anytime we have call-ins and you want to talk, just give us a ring. Yep. Hell, hell yeah, man. Have a good day, guys. All right. You too. you, too. You, too. Have a great day. Have a great Monday. We got another one. Let's go, baby. Getting them all today. This is, this is the most calls we've ever had. Now, we don't do this segment much. but All right. Who do we have? Hey, how's it going? You have Randy Gillespie. I'm in the chat every day, guys. How are you? Randy! Good to hear from you. How are you? I'm great, buddy. How you been? Doing great. Not Doing so great. Good, well, be, be, yeah, been better. <laughs> been better. Been better. But uh, what do you have yeah, for us? I, well, uh, yesterday was my birthday. I was hoping that the Reds would get a win on my birthday. I was going to take a mental health day, but I said, now nah, you know what? I'll watch them. And I watched them, and uh, I'm still uh, a little down and out. But uh, what I wanted to say is, I get, I get flack on Twitter about this, and I played ball my whole life. I played on travel teams where we've had injuries, and you think guys are coming back, and they come, and, and they don't, and you're just clubhouse just down. And I really feel like since the trade deadline, you know, and people's like, well, yeah, getting Giolito might not have helped or whatever, but uh, it's not about that. I think it's a mental thing, you know. Like, they was hoping to get reinforcements, and they didn't. And they're like, all right, guys, you know, we're tired. We got to stick together. India goes out. You know they're like, damn, we didn't get no reinforcements. I just think it's a mental thing with the Reds right now, and they just got to dig their way out of it. So, and we so just you got to stick by them, guys. So, you, so you think right now that that you would stick doing the same thing that the Reds have been doing? That they're just in a slump, and eventually they'll break out of it. Well, first thing, I would play my best players. I wouldn't have Newman, Fairchild and Sinzel in the lineup at the same time. Play your best guys every day. I don't care. They talk about Joey Votto's lefty splits. It's Joey Votto. He earned that spot. So fans that talk stuff about him, I hate that because he earned that. That man has been here through everything. People forget in 17 when he should have won the MVP. In 21 where he carried us a little bit through, you know, until they had that collapse in late August and September. I just think Joey Votto's earned his spot in the lineup. You know, we're just going to have to deal with that till the end of September. But I definitely like them lefty splits. Like, I'm not an analytics guy. I believe in playing your best players every day. You know, I, that's those guys are built for that. They're major league ball players. You know what I mean? Like, people say, uh, Freightley can't hit left-handed pitching. Well, he made it to the big league, so I'm sure he's hit lefties a little bit. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, I understand what you're saying. And I think a lot of people in the chat would probably agree with you on that. And that's just my whole complaint, like, is play your best players every day. Right now we're scuffling, but I think the Reds are going to be okay. We got to stick by them. We can't be so negative, and I'm, and I'm guilty of being negative, but I really, really feel like David Bell has got to play his best players every day. Quit yanking – like, Williamson has been fantastic. He yanked him at, like, 77 pitches the other day. Give your bullpen some help sometimes, you know what I mean? 
Like when yeah. a guy's cruising, he walks a guy to lead off the inning. Let him battle through it. You know what I mean? Like let him battle through it. Now that's, don't, but don't let him blow the game. But let him see what he got. You know what I mean? He might be able to get the next guy a ground ball, a double play. Then you got two outs and, and you got a guy with, you know, eighty pitches going into the sixth inning. You know, that's just my guess. I mean, that's what I would do. I'm not no professional, and I played a lot of ball in my life. I played eighty games one summer, and I was burnt. So these guys, I can imagine how it is to play day in and day out and then hear from the media and, you know, and now social media is so big. It's probably, probably weighs on you heavy. And, and you don't think them guys want to win every day? Sure they do. Yeah, you're spot on. I It, it, it does. Baseball is a marathon of a game. It's, it's You're out there for 162 days a year trying to do what you can to put some winning streaks together. And, and, and to the Reds' credit, every time they've had a streak like this, they've responded – they just have to snap it first to I, even be able to do that. Absolutely. And I got one last thing to say. Last night, me and my girlfriend, we watched the League of Their Own, and Tom Hanks said, it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. That's what makes it great. You know, and that's baseball. That's what makes it great. It's hard. Them guys are battling, and we're going to be okay. I sure You're right. We're going to be okay. You're right. Well, I appreciate you being in the chat every day. Thanks so much for the call. And uh, if you ever want to call in again. Paul, you guys have been wonderful since Tom's been gone. Casey, Paul, Elliot cracks me up. You guys have been wonderful. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening every day. Uh, have a great Monday, and we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you in the chat. Okay, take care. All right, have a great day. You know, Elliot, uh, Elliot's humor could really <laughs> – we could use a laugh. I don't know. He might be too depressed to give us a, an uplifting take. He was down bad, actually. If, if we wanted to be serious for a second, like if if we want to if we if we want to get into the trust tree and and really have a conversation, Elliot was, Elliot was down about as bad as we've ever seen Elliot down. So I don't know if Elliot's listening to this right now, but if the chat is here tomorrow, it's got to you know what tomorrow has to be. It just has to be positive Elliot day all day for two hours. Yes, the whole day. And we had one other person, but they they left. Oh, no. The, the call. So if you want to call back, if you feel like you, you have time to call back, go ahead and call back. I'm just going to tell everyone in the chat again in case someone new came in. You call the number. You type in the access code when it asks for it. And then you hit the pound sign for the pin. Okay. Yes. All right. Let's do a ham and eggers segment while we wait and maybe see if anybody else is going to call in. I'm not 100% sure I can make it to the uh, – I'm not 100% sure I can make it to noon. I'm on water bottle number two today. Uh-oh. So we'll see. I'm, I'm going to try and plow through. All right. It's that time of the show, the ham and eggers. These guys are great. Trust me. I would know. I introduce all the best segments. This show is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity that's right casey you can visit encore.tech the path to innovation begins here also pony water we love pony water it's made right here in hamilton ohio it uses natural limestone filtration unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use and the result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world you can visit their website at pontywater.com that's p-a-h-h-n-i water.com that's p-a-h-h-n-i water.com to see where you can buy it beat you i beat you 
I would have beaten you too. I beat you. you. If I had gone at my same speed here, wait. You want me to go back? You want me to do it a little slower? No, you beat me. P A H H N I water.com that's p-a-h-h-n-i water.com to see where you can buy it thank you pawnee thank you Pony. drink pawnee water get your coffee from edf bet with bedfred and get your technology solutions from encore uh was there anything in that call that uh stuck out to us um you know, I, well, our, I, our guy Randy probably uh, talking about platooning and, and wanting the best players out there doing what they can in the lineup. Now, Nick Kirby does make a good point. Elliot, or uh, sorry, Elliot, uh, Ellie has hits in his last five games and what eight of his last nine? Is that what is that what it was? Five in a row and eight of his last nine. So, I guess maybe, when you take a step back. You get so down in everything and you get so consumed by the losses that sometimes you forget to at least see the positives, which is, it's normal. It's just being human. But 9 of 10, Kirby points out. Uh, Chatterbox Bearcats, Chatterbox Bengals. Both of those, uh, we'll let you know. We're working. We're working on it. Both things will happen. Uh, but a formal announcement is uh, around the corner. Yeah. Some of them very soon, very soon. Some of them give it a couple weeks. Yeah. But they, the, they're so, coming. So uh, Charlie, Chuck, and Houdini will be doing a – they'll be doing Chatterbox Bearcats. They're also going to be doing uh, a Cincinnati-based podcast that I don't believe will have do – does it have a video element to it? Casey, is it on YouTube too, or is it? Just, I think it's just audio based, um, right? It's gonna start off with just audio, gonna turn into something. Okay, more. okay. So it's a podcast that they have already done that they are bringing over to Chatterbox. Uh, it's Chuck and Houdini, they're gonna do that podcast. That's just a, a broad Cincinnati podcast that I think they said is twice a week. Um, they're they're still ironing out a couple of details. That'll be very soon. We also have uh, Chatterbox Bearcats that Chuck and Houdini are gonna be doing. And when I say Chuck, it's Charlie Walter. Uh, it's a name people around here might be familiar with. He went to Mueller. He's been on the show before. If you listen to the Rebound Rundown or Not Too Picky, he's been on both of those. He's been on, he was on the Rebound Rundown multiple times this year. Um, uh, but Charlie has worked in San Francisco out in the Bay Area the last couple of years, and now he's moved back to the Midwest. He's not here in Cincinnati, but uh, he will be doing the show um, along with his, his sidekick, Houdini. They do a great job, they do a fun show together. So, again, they'll be doing two shows. We will also have, like I said, Chatterbox Bearcats that they'll be doing, and then Chatterbox Bengals. All of those things will be announced very soon. We're just putting the last pieces of the puzzle together, but they are happening. They will be happening soon. Um, Mouse Cop says the Reds are 4-9 and nine since the last box launch. Well, that also corresponds to Tom Jacob not being here. And Jacob. I mean... Look, we haven't done it. We haven't done a show with all of us in almost a month. It's been almost a month since. Nah, not that long. Not that long. Been about three. It's been about three weeks since Tom was here. Those two chairs were full, and those two chairs were full. Yeah, with all of us. It's been a rough. It's been a rough uh, end of July, early August. But you know, 
as all things, the bad times are going to come to an end here shortly, and we're going to be back to normal, and uh, it's going to be great. Um, Tom coming back at the right time when we need him most to give us some red takes. I'm very interested to hear what Tom has to say when he comes back about the Reds because it was not that long ago he said NLCS or bust. And he tempered that back a bit. He expects them to make it to the playoffs with the talent that they have. And I think all of us see that talent. I wonder if he's tempered his expectations as well, though, over the last six-game losing streak here. Yeah. Very interested. And we got, I think we got one more. Another caller? One more caller. Let's go, baby. Oh, I think they just left. Oh, no. Oh, no. I wonder if that's because they're getting in and they don't do the last step, or do you think they just hang up? Are they teasing us? I don't know. I don't know. Just to uh, reiterate, you call the number, you type in the access code, and then you hit pound for the PIN number. You hit pound for the PIN number. So call the number, dial in the access code, hit the pound sign, and then you can join us. I worked out again this morning, Casey. I threw up again. That's the, it was the rowing ma- the rowing machine got me this morning. The other day it was the bike. Do you feel sore? Today it was the rowing machine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, feel- it's good. It's good. But it got me again. It's just a total lack of cardio cuz all I've done is strength training for the last year. And it shows, right? No cardio. Wake up in the morning, roll out of bed, roll right into doing hard cardio. Not a good mixture. No. Not a good mixture. Not a good mix. I need to start working out, too. I might join you in the morning. Uh, other thing, one other note, just because I saw CJ and Everett talking about it. Late Friday afternoon, had a chance to get out, play some golf. Didn't have a chance this weekend. So I thought Friday afternoon, get out, play some golf. Played the best round I've ever played. Hey. Played the best round of my life. And that was after insisting that I never go play Pebble Creek. Because it just drives me up a wall. Yeah. Because it's target golf. I went and played it. Played a played a great round. It was a little frustrating because I uh, I felt like I could have played a lot better. But my friend, who generally shoots uh, something like you know eighty five to ninety, shot a seventy six. He was five over. He was three feet from a hole in one two different times. Wow. Is incredible. Incredible. It was one of those rounds, you know, when you play golf. And you have a friend that shoots in like the high 80s. And then all of a sudden they tell you they shot a 78 or a 79. And then you say to yourself, ah, but you were playing on your own. Maybe you took a mulligan here. You you took a nice drop there. You played a foot wedge into the fairway on one hole. No, no. I watched him. I gave him one mulligan. That was it. And even with the mulligan, he probably still would have. He probably still would have broken 80. Even even without it. He, no, he would have. He absolutely would have. Because that would have only been one extra stroke. Yeah, he absolutely would have. So either way, it doesn't matter. He broke 80. It was great. Good stuff. It was incredible. How long was Pebble Creek? I played it. Hold on. I played Pebble Creek. If you're, if you're talking about how long the round took, uh, we never really got stopped. I think it took like three hours. Yeah, three hours. Just about. Three and a half hours. Not bad. Not bad for around 18 with the boys. Everett, I was sorry you couldn't join. I asked Everett. I had, a, I had an open spot in my tea time. 
thought maybe Everett's been asking to play golf for like a year. Yeah. I had an open spot. It was okay. He was busy. Everett's got a baby on the way. Everett's hey, Everett's yeah, Everett's got right. some family coming. I forgot. He uh it was a couple weeks ago when he had a the third trimester appointment, I think. With his wife. Sure. Yeah. Uh, player formerly known as Mouse Cop says, break the news, Casey. Do we have, do we have news? Is there news? <laughs> no, he, Swaggy just asked or said, uh, time off. Tom probably has another vacay in a week. <laughs> and well, well, <laughs> you know what, Swaggy? He does. <laughs> he does. It's not a vacation though. He's dropping Luke off at school. Uh, He'll be back. So yeah, so he will be back. So it's, it's, I'm looking at the calendar. Just to make sure, because I don't want to upset anybody. Tom is out today. He's out tomorrow. He's back Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then he is out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week. And then he's back Thursday. And then I don't see another Tom off the rest of the fall. Now I assume he'll be at parents weekend. But at least on the calendar. Yeah. yeah. So he, he, he'll be back for a couple days this week and then be gone for a bit just to drop off his kids. And then he'll be back ready to go for football, which I'm super excited. Yes. I'm just thrilled that football is back. You know, I might actually watch. No, what am I, what am I kidding? I'm going to watch the whole preseason I don't usually watch the whole preseason, like Bengals preseason. I usually just watch the first quarter like everyone else does. But I think I'm going to actually watch it all this year. I'm super Good. excited for football to come back. And not only that, but did you know Betfred? Betfred provides lines on the preseason games. Doesn't – yeah. I didn't know that. Is that and not I, – I didn't know. I, I Oh, I, yeah. That, that seems like very – like weird to me that they would even think of putting lines on there how do you even guess that how do you even like make the line brother this is this this is the same thing as betting ping pong what do you mean you just who knows how to bet ping pong but it's ping pong was the highest grossing sport i think in the state of colorado last month or one of the one a major state highest grossing sport ping pong table tennis People just, they get after it. Well, I'm, I'm for one, super excited for that because I'll probably bet every single Bengals game now. Every single one of them. I don't know how I'm going to be able to accurately and feel very confident in my pick, but apparently when I looked at it this morning, the spread was one point <laughs> against the Green Bay Packers, which seems... Isn't just, it also a point against the Browns? Has it moved? Has it moved? In week one? Maybe that's what I was looking at. That could be what I was looking at. Let's see. What is it week one against the Browns? It's on the ticker, right? I think. Well, or I don't we know. Not, I don't uh, know we, that, didn't, we didn't get to that point in the ticker this morning. It is It is one against the Browns, and it's moved. The Packers one has moved to four and a half. Okay. So I apparently did not see it this morning. I saw it some other time. But, yeah, the Bengals are minus one right now. The Packers, Bengals. Bengals are... Four and a half plus four and a half. I take that. I'll take that. Okay. Uh, did we have anybody else in the in the? 
They never called back. In the call window? Uh, they never called back, right. so I don't know. Um, I was looking here for a cherry on top. I had one. I have one if you don't. Yeah, all right. Let's roll it. Let's roll it. It's a little early, but we can spend the last few minutes of the show talking about The other thing, I see uh, I see, um, Sir Boy Wonder asked in here for my thoughts on expansion, uh, you know, college football and realignment and everything as it relates to uh, college basketball. I could spend a whole two-hour show on that, Sir Boy Wonder. We only have 12 minutes left in this show. Elliot is also a college basketball junkie, so maybe we'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow when we have some time. Oh, you know what, Casey? I'm glad you're bringing this up. We totally forgot to talk about this. That's my fault. This is good. We can spend the last few minutes on this. All right. Roll it. So, over the weekend was the Hall, Hall of Fame induction. I'm sure everyone knows where I'm going with this. But Ken Riley was finally inducted to the Hall of Fame. And this is the Want to give a special shout-out, Uday, to Bingo Jim and his wife. Uh, he's been a great supporter over the past few, few years. To my dad's former teammates, a lot of who are here today, Ken Anderson, Isaac Curtis, Louis Breeden, Reggie Williams, Leaping Lamar Parrish, and some of his peers, Mel Blunt, James Lofton, Coach Forrest Gregg. These guys always have been in support. I also want to thank the uh, Bengals organization, Coach Paul Brown, who gave him that start, Mike Brown, and all of the Brown family and to everyone who loved the game the way that he did. It's been a long time coming, Dad, but you made it. Thank you. That's fantastic. Overdue, long overdue, but congratulations to Ken Riley, to his family. Um, I know it's a very emotional time for him and his, well, for his family, obviously. Yeah. Um, I, it just, he, it's great to see. It's really, really, really great to see. I just hope that we don't have to do this again anytime soon because it, he deserved what, what's bad about this or what, what's good about this. I should say it's not bad. What's good about this is that he deserved this like way before, like he, he deserved this 100%. And too bad he wasn't around. It's just a shame he wasn't around. Um, I love the fact that his son um, was the one that, um, took the award um or not took the award but yeah accepted it accepted it accepted it accepted it accepted it you're right um gave thanks to his teammates coaches even some of the fans like i was very surprised to hear um bingles gym was the first one that he thanked i don't know what bingles gym has done for that family i i'm not gonna like go into Great detail on that. But that was really cool to see, too. Just our fan base is something special, in my opinion. Um, would he have ever gotten in without the recognition that our fan base and the uproar that we had over Ken Riley? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, Ken Riley uh, was fifth in all-time interceptions in a um, – era where you weren't really throwing the football um really impressive just well deserved very happy for them and the family the really cool there's some other clips that i don't have with me right now but the phone call with munoz and his wife yes kenny's 
or Ken and Ken Riley's wife was also very touching. Um, Munoz gets very emotional about it. Um, there's another clip of, uh, Ken Riley's wife. I don't know her name off the top of my head right now. I'm very sorry about that, but, um, she gets super emotional just looking at the, the bust, the bronze bust gives it a kiss. You know, I think all that was super touching. I'm very proud of our fan base for putting light on this situation in general. Nick Mormon points out Bengal Jim has been the biggest advocate for the era of Bengals players who deserve this type of recognition. And he's worked with them on the matter. Um, I don't think we've ever had Bengal Jim on this show. We should get him on sometime. I think we've talked to we've actually uh, talked to him before about having our video board at his event. I don't think anything happened with that, but we've talked to him. Maybe we can we, get him. We've on interacted the show. with him. Yeah, maybe he knows about Shatterbox. Yeah, we can we could probably get him on the show. Casey, uh, I'm trying to think, is there anything else? Anything else that we haven't gotten to? We wanted to make sure we talked about Ken Riley. We talked about college football and, and realignment, which is just a shame. I mean, it, it's such – there's so much to consider with, with realignment now. I can't even keep straight where everybody is. Yeah. I mean, I was reading it before uh, before the show. The Pac-12 is now the Pac-4. Uh-huh. Well, the Pac-12 is just not going to exist. Yeah. The Pac-12 is just going to get – absorbed by the Mountain West and the Conference that. of Champions. What's going to happen to Bill Walton? Who's going to claim Bill Walton? Who gets Bill Walton? I don't know. Somebody's going to have to. Bill Walton just can't flounder off into the desert. He's going to go out to Hawaii, wait for the Maui Gym Invitational every year, and then just stay there until it comes back the next year. That I wouldn't put it past Bill to do that. Or he'll just <coughs> keep showing up to UCLA what he's probably going to do, what what Bill Walton is probably going to do, is he's just going to show up to UCLA. He'll, he'll, he'll get, take his seat inside Pauley Pavilion. He'll start calling the games. And then about five years into the Big Ten, he's going to turn to his right. And he's going to look at Dave Pash. And he's going to say, Dave, now what conference is this again? And that's just going to be his shtick. He's not going to give the Big Ten any credit. No credit. The Pac-12. He'll he'll probably just or, – or or he does the flip side, and he just says that the Big Ten now is the Conference of Champions. But everybody is right in that this was a money grab, that it was a play by a lot of these parties to get the most money possible and to not be left behind. But – you know, as somebody pointed out that I was reading yesterday, what happens to the baseball player from Maryland that is stuck in LA and has to go to class the next morning? Nobody cares about that because everybody class what? But if the NCAA wants to make themselves out to be this organization, this bastion for good that they claim to be about, doing the right thing and it's it's student athlete it's not athlete student right it's student athlete if they want to do all that then step in and make a difference because the ncaa is the first ones to run to congress anytime anything happens nil everything legislation whatever it might be 
You know, the, the one thing that I, I still don't really understand either is a lot of these teams went to the Big Ten. People are saying now it's like the Big 18, which is very funny. Um, which, by the way, the logo for that slaps. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's official or not, but it looks good. Um, no, it's not. They, they weren't even going to do – like, you know how they had the East and the West for the Big Ten? They're getting rid of that. And now they have 18 different teams. How are they even doing the scheduling for for that? Like, it God knows, man. Who knows? Especially for the Olympic sports. Because if it's football, you know, if Maryland plays UCLA, if Rutgers plays UCLA, then, you know, you, you fly out there a couple of days early. You play your game. You fly back through the night Saturday. You're tired Sunday, whatever. Yeah. But – for a baseball team that has to go play a three-game series on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. For well, or they'd play a weekend series, but either but volleyball. Think about a volleyball that plays Friday, Sunday. And they got to go out and go to you, you would think UCLA and USC play them, come back as travel partners. It's uh, I don't think it's a good situation. I think it's very bad for college athletics in the long run. And I don't think that that's an overreaction to say. Because a lot of times as sports fans, we see change and we think to ourselves, bad. Change equals bad. So I try to take a step back. I try to read some differing opinions. I try to be as informed as I can. I try to say to myself, why are they doing what they're doing? What makes sense here? Why did they make these decisions? Ask those kinds of questions. The only answer here is money. The only answer to all of this is money because nothing else makes sense. Nothing else at the core of this problem for college athletics makes sense besides money. Money rules everything. Money makes all major decisions in this country. It does. So when you have football, which rules every other sport in college athletics, and they're making all these decisions based around football, which has the easiest travel schedule of any team. It's not basketball going out and playing one game one day before and coming back in the middle of the week. Think about a Tuesday night Pac-12 game, or I guess now Big Ten game. A Tuesday night Big Ten. It's, it is, what, what was the stat? It's, it's only 30 minutes longer to fly from Boston College to London than it is to fly from, you know, the New England area like Rutgers to go to the West Coast. Yeah. What are we? Oxford to the Big Ten? Is that what we're doing? Maybe. Don't give anybody any ideas. All right. Casey, today was the last day of just you and me for this week. Today was the last day of you and me probably for a long time. Just in terms of just the two of us? Yeah, I think so. I think we did a pretty good job. We, we had lots to well, – we never ended early. Never ended we early. always had something to talk about. We really appreciate the ones that called in today to help us throughout um, this show. We really appreciate that. Um, yeah, El Elliot will be back tomorrow. Tracy Jones will be back tomorrow. Next week, even though Tom is gone Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Elliot will be here. We'll have Tracy. We'll do the whole 
you know, regular rundown of everything Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. Um, so thank you to each and every one of you for listening and watching, paying attention, sharing the show. Have a great Monday. We leave you with this.